Hey, it's Peter Day here. Welcome back to the podcast. I know it's been about a week and a half off, but um, we're back in action here with this episode. I'm going to dive right in because I've been thinking about, you know, what to present on this week's podcast. And what I realized lately is that it's like the personality and the mindset is really the number one key to success. Um, Simply put, it's just very, very obvious that the people with the best mindset and the best um, personality and the best characteristics to succeed um, usually have ended up being the most successful. It's really more of a mental game than anything. So what I'm going to be training on quite significantly in this particular episode and probably episodes to come is the mindset that's very important because you could take, you know, 100 people and you could give those 100 people the same opportunity. So, for example, let's say you give a million dollars to 100 people and you make sort of like a challenge out of it. And, you know, every single person gets their million bucks. Every single person gets exactly two years to turn that million dollars into many, many, many more millions, what you're going to see happen in something like that is it's going to be the people with the correct mindset and the better mindset that are able to get the most out of it. I mean, there's going to be a group of people that would take the million and the million actually degrades in in earnings. You give them the million, they spend a little bit of it. They get excited that they got the million. Maybe they go buy a house for, you know, 800 grand and then they spend the money and then after after the 2-year challenge you check back with them on how they're doing and in fact not only have they spent the million but now now they're actually in debt because it no longer exists and they've just you know continued to live their life like they've been used to living their life, right? But then you can give the million to another person, and that other person maybe takes the million, maybe saves it, but then all they do is they continue working their job. They continue making the 60 grand per year that they've always made. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's just, you know, what makes you happy or what you want to do in life. But you could just take that mindset, for example, when it comes to accumulating wealth or making more money. That type of person could be given the million bucks, given the two-year challenge, and then at the end of the two years, maybe they earned, you know, the, 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 they retained the million bucks, and then they have an extra, not even 120,000 bucks, because if someone only earns 60 grand a year, and then they spend a lot of it on their monthly expenses, they're, they're left with very little at the end of the day. So in that scenario, the person took the million-dollar challenge, just continued running their, doing their normal job, their normal things, their normal spending habits. And at the end of the year, they basically were diligent enough not to spend the million, but they didn't really save anything and it didn't grow, right? And then you can extrapolate this example over and over again where you can give a group of people the same million dollars, the same two years, the same opportunity, and different people are going to have different outcomes with this opportunity. You can give the million bucks to someone else who has perhaps 
the same $60,000 job, but let's say this person is a little bit more diligent. They take the million bucks and they say, ah, you know, the interest rates are pretty good right now. I think I'm going to take my million and I'm going to invest it in the money markets or I'm going to invest it in CDs or bonds. And then after the two years for that person, they've actually turned the million dollars into about you know, $1.1 million plus saved a tiny bit of money from their job because their spending habits, you know, were better than other people. But then you could just go on and on where the same opportunity given to different people yields a different result based off of a different set of choices. Life is really all about choices. It's what are you going to do with the opportunity that you were given to? And one of my favorite books that I read recently was actually Ray Dalio's like children's book. I don't know if you've read this thing, but it's literally a you know hardcover children's book that kind of explains his view on um, life and making money, really. But it's like 50 pages or whatever it is, and it's a you know illustrated book. And Ray describes that it's kind of like you're canoeing down a river, right? And and the river just suddenly splits either to the right or to the left. And he depicts it like it's all choices. Life is all about choices. And you making the best choices are going to yield the best results. So in the book, he goes on and on. But the, the long story short in the book is that it's all about choices. It's kind of like life is coming at you. And the choices you make with life is going to dictate the results that come out of it. So going back to this million dollar challenge, let's say you give that million dollars to a uh, someone else who is a little bit more kind of business savvy, a little bit more entrepreneurial. Let's say someone takes that million dollars and they say, ah, what I'm going to do with that million dollars is I'm going to, you know, invest in a few like car washes or something. Like I'm going to take that million bucks and that million bucks is going to buy me you know, like, I don't know, like these five car washes across the state. And then, um, you know, suddenly he has, you know, cash flow coming in through the car washes. These car washes are actually worth something on paper. And then if he were to sell it all after the two years, maybe his million is worth 1.7 million or something because he was able to, you know, bring the value of these car washes higher than, expected he was able to bring in the cash flow during the two years and then he was able to somehow sell these car washes before the two-year period for a higher value than what he bought them for because of the success that he brought it to right you can just go on and on and you could give example after example of choices what people do with their time what people do with their money what people do with their life it's all boils down to choices and the choices are really dictated by your mindset. Like what, what do you even know how to do as a choice? The the problem with this whole choice thing is if someone has a bad mindset, they, they don't even know that they're making bad choices is the issue, right? I was recently um, interviewing and hiring someone and I'm trying to be courteous how I say this because just in case the person is listening to this podcast but I what sparked me a lot to make this recording was just there's different choices people people make and it's just 
when I was interviewing this person and putting them through a little trial phase to, you know, work at a position that probably could have been a pretty lucrative and life-changing position, there were some choices that I was noticing during the process. I mean, long story short, the person, you know, was not the right fit for our company, not the right fit for the job. But it was like all throughout the process of interviewing this person, even putting them through a little bit of a trial phase and everything, I was just noticing all these small little choices, right? Like, for example, I would text them on a Tuesday night about something, and I wouldn't hear back until the middle of the day the next day. And this was pr- this was prior to, you know working with us and stuff like that. And I, I get it. I was talking to someone. They said, well, Peter, they don't have the job yet. You know, you really expect them to answer right away. They did, they're not even working for you yet. Why should they answer right away? But then what I told this person back who I was kind of dialoguing with about, I said, I said, I just don't know. Like if, if I was personally wanting a job really badly and I wanted to succeed really badly, and the boss sent me a text message, like let's say it was a job that I was interviewing for, or it was a position, or just something that I wanted to do. Let's say I didn't have it yet, and it was just something I kind of was on my radar screen. If the boss or CEO of the company texted me on a Tuesday night at 8 p.m., I mean, I'm the type of person that would literally answer that text within like 10 minutes and be like, absolutely, you know, um, that is a great idea. I look forward to talking about more tomorrow. And what was so weird is like in this, going back to this person that we interviewed, we actually hired them for a week and then it just fell apart because they were not the right person for the position. They were not the right, like everything, like character. My, it was just like totally wrong fit. But what I'm learning through this process is that everyone's mindset is a little bit different and there's different characteristics that are important to to succeed and it's just the there's these things that are very important so what i'm going to do in this audio is i'm going to i'm going to fine tune some of the things that i believe you should have in your um, personality that is going to make you successful and what i encourage you to do is when i talk about some of these things, start to take note of what these things are and see if you need to actually improve upon some of these areas in your life. I think that the biggest mistake someone can do when listening to this kind of content is say, oh yeah, again, the the biggest mistake is believing that you have it all together. If you believe that you have it all together, you're not going to be able to grow. You're not going to be able to learn. You're not going to be able to come out stronger. You're going to be like so absorbed in who you already are or something that that you're not going to think the training is for you. You're going to say, oh, you know, Peter is talking about dependability or responsiveness and these things. And oh, Mike, I'm dependable. I'm responsiveness, right? But it's like, if you listen to this thing, we talk about like 10, 12 di- different characteristics, character traits, and you just think you're perfect in every way, then you're not going to be able to improve. So what I recommend is take a seat, kind of humble yourself when listening to this audio and think like, okay, 
am I really at the top of my game in these certain areas, right? So what I'm going to train on, like I said, in this podcast is I'm going to train on these different personality traits that really matter and really make a difference in everything. Like whether you are a business owner, an entrepreneur, you're an employee, you're someone who is an investor. I mean, whatever you're doing, these are very common traits that if you do not have, they could be very detrimental to success. And they're also things that could be improved upon. So the first one is you have to be responsive. Um, The biggest, this is something that really bugs me is lack of response. I don't know about you guys, but I see it a lot in our industry. So I'm in the industry of uh, internet marketing, affiliate marketing, digital marketing kind of stuff. And a lot of times in the affiliate marketing space, there's what's called affiliate managers. An affiliate manager is like the reps that are supposed to be managing you at these different companies, affiliate networks, etc. The the affiliate managers. What I've seen over and over again is some of these people have terrible responsiveness. This is a crazy story, but I used to be a top um, earner and top performer for this affiliate network, which I'm not going to say the name of, because if I just go out on a podcast like this, just like blatantly, you know, ripping on like household names like this, it's not going to be, it can, you know, turn around and bite us maybe. So I'm going to keep the name private, but I I used to be literally, our company used to be a top performer for this um, network to the tune where we were probably literally their top five publisher, right? And we had an, an affiliate manager there, and he still works there. And this guy was just so non-responsive. Like, I would literally send him a Skype, like, hey, you know, do you have any offers that you recommend that we hit? And I he would respond like two weeks later, just something absolutely ridiculous. And then I would even, I would even send him a text. I said, oh, surely if I send him a text, he'll get back to me. I, I sent him a text, and then... Sometimes he wouldn't even get back to me from the text in like a day or two. And then sometimes I would even just call his cell phone and he would hardly get back. And I'm like, man, this is supposed to be the affiliate manager for us. I mean, we're, we're literally like the top five performers like of, of his entire company. And he hardly even responds. So responsiveness is an incredibly important trait that you need to make sure that you're on top of. You got to think to yourself, are you as responsive as you could be? When someone asks you a question in business, if someone reaches out to you in business, are you on the ball? Are you answering like right away? Are you on it? Or is it kind of weird? Is it kind of like you don't get back to someone for, you know, 10 hours? You don't get back until the next day? Going back to this person that we interviewed, hired, you know, parted ways all in the first week, what I should have done looking back on it is I actually should never have moved forward with them at all because of the lack of responsiveness. There was multiple times where leading up to the job position, I texted this individual, you know, a few preliminary things like, for example, could you um, train up on a couple topics? Could you absorb some of the podcasts to learn some things? 
And every time I reached out to them, they would not respond to me for six hours later, eight hours later, 16 hours later. I'm like, man, this is pretty bad. Someone who wants to get a job, the boss texts you and you just don't get back for, you know, 16 hours, like a day and a half later. I mean, it's kind of like cuckoo. Um, So responsiveness is really important. You need to think to yourself, how responsive are you, especially when someone of importance reaches out to you, if a client reaches out to you, if a business partner reaches out to you, if like a coworker reaches out to you, an employee reaches out to you, if someone that actually matters reaches out to you, how responsive are you? And if you're so busy that you cannot be responsive, how good are you at getting your team to be responsive? I have to be honest, for me, it is difficult for me to be responsive to everything because we're so busy. We have over, you know, maybe even over 600 clients right now. Um, They're not all active. If they all were, we would already have like a billion dollar a year business. But out of the 600 clients that we have, we probably literally have a couple hundred active, actively sending traffic and stuff. So clients are reaching out um, to us all the time. And I personally am not able to be that responsive to all of them. But what I do is I make sure that I personally am responsive to the clients that are the most important revenue-driving clients. That's what I make sure of personally. And then what I also make sure of is no matter where the client is on the, you know, the ladder, whether they're the best client or the worst client or the middle of the road client, I make sure that even if I am too busy to be responsive, I make sure my team is there being responsive for me. I tell my team, listen, I'm too busy. I can't talk to these 300 clients. I just can't do it. If I were to try, I would not be able to do it. I just don't have enough hours in the day. So I tell my team, listen, if a client reaches out, I I expect you to jump on that like immediately. You know, if a client reaches out on Skype, email, um, social media, like they, they text you, call, however the client reaches out, you know, if you're awake and you're working, you know, jump on that. Jump on that immediately because if I can't be responsive, then my team has to be responsive for me because it's like the team really resembles the reputation of the company. If you ever if you've ever said to yourself, "Well, I, you know, I hate that company." Or, "Man, I'm such a bad company," you know, that sometimes you talk about these different affiliate networks like, "Oh, I hate that network." I why do you hate that network? It's because the employees have made a bad image for that network, right? They've tainted their reputation. Or Sometimes you could even say of an advertiser, like, oh, I hate working with so-and-so advertiser. They never get back to me. They, they, they hardly respond. When they do respond, they just give me like a little one-sentence answer. But then you have to ask yourself, well you know, is this actually the the company or what's happening is basically a handful or one employee at the company is so bad that they are ruining the reputation of the entire company. Some of these companies too are publicly traded five, $700 million a year companies and their whole reputation can basically be burned in our industry by a couple employees that they employ that do not have proper responsiveness. So the second trait you have to have is dependability. 
When you say you're going to do something, do you do it and do you follow through? And if you can't do it, are you proactively letting people know that you can't do it? It's very important to be dependable. In the lead generating business that we're in, we are very, very dependable. If you work with us, optimize to convert, I can guarantee that we're dependable. And what I could also guarantee is that we are transparent. If you tell us, can you generate a thousand leads, and we don't think we're going to be able to do that tomorrow, we will tell you straight up, no, I don't think we're going to be able to get the thousand leads, but you could very likely count on us for like 300 leads out of the thousand. And the only way that wouldn't happen is if something falls through. I had a client for the last couple months that was wanting a really big, you know, order of leads. And what I told the client is I said, listen, I believe we could do it. We're going to do everything we can to do it. But some things are outside of our control. Like if Facebook just breaks or, you know, shuts down or the servers go out or just something nuts happens, you know, we might not be able to fill the orders. But as long as nothing unforeseen happens, I believe we can do it, right? So being dependable and then being really transparent about what you can and cannot do. There's a lot of people that will just kind of fabricate stuff. So let's say they have a client and the client wants them to produce, you know, 15,000 leads a day. They'll just say to the client, oh yeah, sure, like, we'll do it. Yeah, we can do it. We can take it on. And it's not even true. They, they'll, they take it on and then they're just kind of scrambling to figure out how to fill it. Just No, what you should do is just, just be transparent with the clients. Be like, if the clients want 15,000 leads a day, you tell them, the truth, you know, okay, client, I think we can do like 5,000 leads the first day. I don't know if I'm going to do all 15,000 the first day, but we do 5,000. And then if that looks good, and if that works, I think by the second week, we can have you scaled up to like 10,000 to 12,000 or whatever it is. And then maybe if it's really looking strong, we can kick that up to the 15,000 by week three. Like if that's your narrative, and that's what is the truth, then let the clients know that. Don't be taking on the client pretending like you could just do the 15,000 leads and not doing it. That is not dependable. So it's very important to be on dependable, to be dependable, that is. The next thing is be on the ball. Being on the ball is really compromises a lot of all of this, but being on the ball to me is being responsive. It's d dependable. It's just it's just being on top of things and you want people to want want to work with you be like you know what that person is on the ball when i reach out to them they respond right away and you know even if they ha are super busy it's like it doesn't even matter cuz when i reach out to them they've got some team or some assistant that like instantly gets back to me anyway so they they're, they're still on the ball cuz like even though the main person didn't respond they still had like someone representing respond whatever it is like this person is on the ball they're on top of their stuff, and I want to work with them. Now, the next characteristic trait here is be open to learning anything, especially if it's the right thing and the next thing that's needed to be learned in your business and your career. Be open to learn anything. I don't want to be on this podcast just like ripping on this person that we, you know, hired but never hired, but going back to this story, what I didn't like in this particular individual and circumstances they, they were not actually open to like learn things we trained them for about a week and showed them some pretty you know technical things and then they just 
were like, no, this job is not for me. It's, it's too technical. And it's like, okay, if it's too technical, then just learn it. You know, spend like the eight or 10 hours studying the recording, studying the technicality, and just learn it, right? The next thing you need to be is you need to be communicative. It's very important that you're just communicating, especially with clients, coworkers, team. Be very communicative, um, especially if it's important things. Um, another thing that is an important characteristic trait is be serving. Don't always just be thinking about yourself and how much money is this going to make you. The problem with that is that if you're focusing too much on how much money is going to make you, you're not focusing on actually the service, right? Like we are in the industry here. It's like a service. We're providing leads for companies. We're providing traffic. We're providing sales. We have a service. And what we need to be thinking is how helpful are we being to the business on the other side? Like, let's say we work with a client like, you know, Liberty Mutual Car Insurance, whatever it is. How helpful are we in generating them traffic? Are they liking the leads? Are they happy with the leads? Are they doing a good job with the leads? Like, are, are, are we only thinking about how much money we're making? Or are we thinking... How much money are they making? How many policies are these leads turning into? How many, you know, agents are, are these leads getting sold to? Are we making sure that we're not just thinking about ourselves but serving the client on the other end? So having that serving mindset as well. The next characteristic I want to talk about is going the extra mile. This is a big one. And in my opinion, this is why such a huge percentage of the nation is kind of broke and hardly able to make ends meet, is that I do not believe that everyone is willing to go the extra mile. There are so many people that it's like the second, they're just like waiting for the bell to ring and for the clock to clock out. I mean, it's like there's so many people that just that they just work a 9 to 5 job and they are just literally watching the time. They're just they they can't wait to just go home and watch TV and you know, sit on the couch and just like eat junk food and it's just like it's so sad that so much of the nation is is just in some crazy complacent just routine that is so just unproductive, unprofessional, and it it just, there's a reason why just like so many people are making, hardly making ends meet and hardly able to make things, they're not willing to go the extra mile. I really believe this is a huge, huge trait, being able to go the extra mile. Like if you're having trouble learning something, let's say you're in a business and it's a little bit technical, let's say you, you know, just got into internet marketing and you just don't really know how to run the Facebook ads, you don't know how to make a landing um, page, or you have no idea how to do the Google, you don't know how to do the keywords, you don't know how to run YouTube. Instead of being lazy about it, go the extra mile. If you know, instead of going out one weekend and partying and hanging out with your friends, why don't you stay in? 
Why don't you just watch training videos all weekend? Why don't you learn? Why don't you, you know, absorb a new skill? Go the extra mile. And another thing I want to talk about is the fact that you need to understand that success might require you getting outside of your comfort zone. It might not be comfortable. Trust me, when my brother and I were learning how to do internet marketing and we were learning about native ads and, you know, direct mail, I mean, we were studying all this different traffic stuff like Google, even SEO. Like it was, you know, just learning about everything. Some of it was really uncomfortable. Like, okay, this is a really, really new skill. Like, I don't, I don't really know how to, how to program like a WordPress blog or run these different tools for SEO and all this stuff. But it's like, you need to get out of your comfort zone. And what you need to realize is that sometimes it's, it's the uncomfortable feeling that can bring you into a level of success. I mean, how are you supposed to succeed if you're not able to learn the new skills and get over these humps? So just understand that you're going to have to get outside of your comfort zone. You're going to also have to get outside of your comfort zone to scale, especially in our industry. Our industry of affiliate marketing is a very weird industry where the clients expect us to spend our own money on ads and then get paid back later from the clients. It's not always the case. You can try to get your clients to prepay you, but it's not the industry standard. If it was the industry standard, it would be a lot easier. It would be a lot less cash flow issues for a lot of affiliates, and it would just be easier. Again, we're in a very weird industry where the norm is this whole, like, spend your money on ads, wait, and get paid later from clients. So what this means is you might have to go outside of your comfort zone to spend the money on the ads. I remember when we started spending $200,000 a day for the first time, I, I like was so scared that I like couldn't even sleep at night. It, it was like just so much money and cash flow was so tight doing it that it was like if anything went wrong, I could just like lose like so much money or just like lose all the money I ever made or so it was it was so stressful but you know we did it we 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 spent the money we kicked it up to that level thankfully nothing went wrong actually a few like things went wrong we got some company that owed us money went out of business so we didn't get paid like 300 grand there and then I think some other company just like also went bust and didn't pay like a hundred grand or something. So maybe we lost like 400 grand kind of kicking it up a notch due to just like clients going bankrupt or something. But at the end of the day, the 400 grand was just kind of a, a drop in the bucket because it, by starting to scale that heavily, it was able to really ignite and kick our business up um, to a whole nother level. Um, and Trust me, it was very uncomfortable and super scary, but it was necessary to get to the next level. And, you know, it's sometimes you have these goals like, okay, like I want my business to do $100 million a year. I want my business to do like $20 million a year. I hope you understand that if you're in the affiliate marketing business, if you're not getting all your clients to prepay and you actually want to do like $50 million a year, you personally need to be comfortable spending like $100,000 a day 
or more on ads. And it's there's you're going to have to get outside of your comfort zone to do that. You're going to have to really be smart. There's risk management. You have to have a lot of ducks in a row. You need to know that you're working with really solid clients. I mean, could you imagine if you did that with a really shady client or something? You just start spending a hundred grand a day and you're just like waiting on this million dollar invoice to pay out. And then you just find out, oh my goodness, like it was just kind of like a scam. Like the client was really shady and they just never pay the million. And you're just like totally go belly under or something in your business because it's some really stupid, uncalculated risk. So it's really important that you're constantly weighing these different things. And I'm telling you, it might require getting outside of your comfort zone. Recently, I mean, I was outside of my comfort zone a little lately. We, we kicked up some ad campaigns lately and we were for a couple weeks, maybe like a two or three week period of time, we were spending 600 grand a day, I think for like, it, it was really extreme. And um, it, it definitely put me in a whole nother level of comfort zone. Like, okay, this is, this is serious, you know? Um, so it, it's really important to be, you know, just on your game and just understand that success might not be very comfortable. It might not be very comfortable. In fact, it might be extremely uncomfortable. It might be very scary at times. It might be also scary going to different levels. Let's say you're an affiliate and you're just really used to spending like $5,000 a day on ads, $10,000 a day on ads, which some people might think is crazy in and of itself. Like, my goodness, $10,000 a day on ads, that's crazy. Well, we were there at some point. I mean, five years ago, six years ago, we were there, you know, that was our business. $5,000 a day on ads, $10,000 a day on ads. We had to get outside of our comfort zone to spend $50,000 a day on ads, $100,000 a day on ads or more. It required getting out of our comfort zone. And obviously it required a lot of um, skills. It required a lot of good clients and a lot of um, negotiations as well, like getting clients to pay faster. You don't want to spend that kind of money and just be waiting months on end. Um, for the money and stuff. So another characteristic trait I want to talk about is being persistent. Being persistent. Are you the type that just give up after one or two failures? Or are you really, really persistent if it doesn't work out? Let's say you're very determined to nail a new skill. Like you really want to learn how to do uh, native advertising, display ads. How, how persistent are you at actually figuring that out? Are you Are you just going to give up after you know, one or two failures, or are you really going to dive into that? I mean, you don't, you don't need to be dumb about it. You don't, you don't need to spend, you know, like millions and millions of dollars losing money, you know, just to hopefully get your native ads working. But it's like, maybe there needs to be some persistence. Maybe if you really want to nail those native ads, maybe you need to commit something. Like maybe you need to spend, you know, 700 bucks a day on those native ads. And just every day you're kind of tweaking, you're testing new placements, new audience, new you know, widgets, your blocking stuff, your blacklisting placements, your whitelisting placements, maybe there needs to be a very strong persistence to master new traffic sources, master new verticals, master new skills. The persistence is really quite important. If my brother and I were not persistent, we probably would have just given up like 12 years ago because full transparency, this industry has not been 
the easiest industry. But let's face it, what what is easy that that is just very lucrative? If if everything was just easy and lucrative, then everyone would just be doing it, right? Another characteristic trait is I believe you have to be incredibly positive. My dad actually has always had this joke. He said he said, "Oh, you know, when an, when you ask a salesperson how his day was, he's always going to be like that was a good day. You know, it's like that's that's really what makes a good salesperson a good salesperson is one of those things where you can add you can they could have the worst day like they could not even land any clients. They could even have lost a client or something, right? But then you ask the salesperson, how was your day? And they go, oh man, this was, it was one of the best days I've had so far. I prospected, you know, 40 people and I, I had like these five conversations and I got so much closer to landing, right? There's this optimism. There's this positiveness that, that you really need to have. I mean, if, if you are negative, it's going to affect like everything in your life. It's going to affect your business, your earnings, your family, relationships, marriage. The neg- negativity is just a no-go. It's there's absolutely the only thing you should be negative about is you should be negative about the things you don't want to do. You know, for me, I've always been negative about having to, you know, report to an office and you know, do a nine to five job with a boss, like breathing down my neck and having to commute to the office and be behind the cubicle. I've been negative about that, you know, my whole working life and before my working life, right? So it's like, it's good to be negative about things that are, you don't want to do or in a sense where or bad things, if it makes sense, but just, just don't be negative about things that are not supposed to be negative. So be incredibly positive, be persistent, and also view challenges as opportunities to get to new heights. Um, For example, I, right now, I'm looking for a CEO's assistant. I'm basically basically looking for a position that's an assistant to the CEO. It's a very high-level position, and it's a position that would require a lot of training, a lot of learning, and it's not going to be a walk in the park type of position. We thought this person was going to be it that, you know, we hired and parted ways with. Clearly, they were not it. And in fact, I probably made a mistake by even allowing them to start anyway. Like I said, there was some red flags just along the way. And I was questioning things before it even started. I should have just gone with my gut feeling is what I should have done looking back on it. But view challenges as opportunity to go to new heights. So now I have this challenge. Where am I going to find this like assistant to the CEO, the CEO's assistant, right? Maybe this is a challenge. What do I got to do? I got to go put job post on Monster Indeed. I got to post on my LinkedIn. I got to reach out to people I know. I got to, you know, I got to network. I got to ask around, right? Perhaps this is a challenge. But what I need to view this as is, okay, once this challenge is overcome, this is going to bring the business to a next level. Having that assistant to the CEO, CEO's assistant kind of position, really executing, leading with the CEO, things like that. Now, another thing that I think is important is actually accepting your stance on life. You know, what is more important to you and what is actually important to you? Is is what is important to you just working and getting ahead? 
or is it having the most free time possible? Is it partying and being social? Is it watching TV? Is it video games? Like what is actually important to you? And then what you need to realize is you need to set like realistic expectations in terms of what is actually important to you. If what's actually important to you is just like partying and watching football and playing video games, and it's not really that important to you how much money you make, then you're probably just going to make a very average amount of money. And that is what it is. And again, I don't really care how much anyone makes, you know, little, lot, whatever, as long as you're doing the right thing for in your life, that's what's important. But you you do need to accept your stance on life. Like what what is important to you? What do you prioritize your time with? And then you know, you, you, it's almost like you can predict your own outcome, right? Like if you are always just prioritizing your time, being social, partying, going to social events, hanging out with friends, and then your second priority is like watching TV, and then your third priority is working because you have to, then you're probably not going to be any kind of like millionaire or something. I mean, it's just, it's just not lining up. You know what I mean? It's the priorities and your stance on life and what is important is, is not like these things are not lining up for any kind of like wild financial success. If you did become very financially successful, it would probably be an accident or some kind of fluke or just some kind of like by chance, like some lottery kind of thing, right? Like is the, the actions are not lining up. So be realistic of what your priorities are, what is important to you, what is your stance on life, and then is your financial goals actually realistic with what those priorities are. Another thing is you need to know when it is time to grind and when it is time to take a step back. I've been saying this on different podcasts, but I feel like finally, after like 10 to 12 years, it is finally time for me to take a step back. I've been grinding for about 10 to 12 years. We've built a very successful business. Like I've said in previous audios, last year our company did about like $49 million of revenue. And this year we crushed it. The year's not over, but Someone on my team who has been crunching the numbers thinks that we might do $90 million this year. I mean, that's a lot of revenue, a lot of revenue for a privately owned company with only 25 employees, $90 million. I mean, it's not that shabby. And it makes me think, well, what's possible? You know, maybe we can do $200 million in the next couple of years or five years or whatever the time frame is, right? So... What I'm saying is you you need to know when it is time to work hard and grind and when it is time to take a step back. If I had not worked hard and I had not grinded for those 10 or 12 years, I would not be where I am now. And that's pretty much a fact. So you need to know, you need to know where are you in, where are you, like what stage of life are you? Are you in the stage of life where it is kind of time to settle back and time to take a more of a backseat and time to be, you know, maybe work a little less or, or or you in the time of your life where you should be grinding. You're up and coming in a career. You're up and coming with a job. You're up and coming with a business. You need to understand where you're at so you're not accidentally just doing the wrong things. I mean, where I see people make a mistake so much is they're like 26 years old or 25 years old and they're, they're so, you know, 
relaxed and it's like they're they're hardly have even started a career or anything but they're acting like they're already retired and oh yeah just sitting back right so you need to know just when is it important to be working hard grinding and then what i'm learning lately is when is it important to take a step back because the reality is i could just keep working keep starting businesses keep entrepreneuring and keep making money and i'm sure i could make billions and billions of dollars doing that if i keep persisting at it but then what i'm realizing is like okay you know there's more to life than just like making money and the more money i've made the more i realize that it doesn't actually matter that much and what's really important is that you're focusing on other things so right now i'm in the stage of my life where i want to work tremendously smarter rather than harder and in fact i'm actually doing a little bit of an exercise with that too so for me it's kind of interesting but sometimes i've been trying to work like two hours less in a day almost like almost like a challenge like if i can work two hours less but it like forces me to have to work smarter does that make sense it's like deliberately shortening the amount of time there is to work and then and then it's an exercise of like having to work smarter so for example the last week i took off you know like three hours in the middle of the day two hours in the middle of the day i just kind of like took off a couple hours here and there but then what I like about this exercise is that it's been forcing me to think outside the box. Like, okay, if I'm going to just take off like three hours in the middle of the day from like 12 to 3 p.m., it's kind of like inconvenient. It's, it's, it's like one of the most inconvenient times to just be kind of, you know, walking away from the phone, walking away from the computer. But then all of a sudden it makes you start to think like, okay, now I'm going to have to think smarter. Like I can't, re- I can't really work harder because like I'm not even there. It forces you to think smarter. So it's like, okay, now I'm taking the three hours off. How are we going to make money in these three hours when I'm not even there? When I'm not, then all of a sudden you're putting things in place. You're saying, okay, team, I'm taking three hours off. This is what I want you to accomplish in the three hours. If something comes up, you know, Susan, you reach out to Mark, Marge, you reach out to Bob, whatever it is, right? You're putting things into place and you're suddenly working smarter rather than harder. And this is the the reality that I've run into is that the only way that I am going to succeed more at this point is by working smarter rather than just harder. There's no more hours in the day. Even if I wanted to grind for 82 hours a day, there there's not 82 hours in the day. There's only 24. So the only way I can get ahead is by working smarter at this point. If you look at these different successful people like Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Ray Dalio, they have the same amount of hours in the day. They don't have like a special day where they have like 90 hours in their day when everyone else has 24. No, they have the same 24 hours. They just are so smart about how they use the 24 hours that they earn billions of dollars. So this is what I recommend you begin thinking as well as me is how can we work smarter rather than um, just harder. Now, another point that I want to bring up is a lot of your success boils down to who you're surrounding yourself with. If you're if you're constantly working and then you're constantly socializing with like some young millennial lazy people, 
that are not even successful and not even really doing anything successful in their lives, it's very likely that that could rub off on you. There's a quote, and I really believe it. It's like, if you want to be an eagle and fly with eagles, you need to first get around the eagles. You need to get around the eagles. You should analyze, like, who are you hanging out with? Are these people actually, are they helping you? Or or is it just like a negative influence? It's almost like the opposite of the eagle thing. If you are hanging out with roaches, then maybe you might become a roach. So figure out what you need to do. You might need to change your peer group. You might need to make more friends in like business. Like maybe maybe your peer group is just kind of a bust when it comes to financial things. And maybe you need to, maybe the, the play is not to ditch your friends, but maybe the play is to make like new friends. Like maybe you start going to trade shows or something and maybe you start like becoming friends with like people that are making a lot of money. You have to become... I just, it's important that you're surrounding yourself around success. So what's interesting is that for me growing up, I have not always been the most social person growing up, which is kind of interesting. So I I never really had the opportunity to hang out with many of the roaches because I was so kind of like not social that I just didn't hang out with many people. I mean, I've always liked to be alone time kind of person. So for example, when I was in um, college, I literally was living alone in like a one room studio by myself. I didn't have roommates. I didn't do the party stuff. I was very like not, I was just not very social. So I just didn't have the opportunity to like get a lot of like bad habits and influences and stuff. So what's really interesting is what I did growing up was I was always absorbing myself in this personal development um, stuff. So even though I wasn't really hanging out, I, I, I've been the type of person where instead of having like a million friends, I've usually just had like only one or two good friends, you know, and they've been good people, really good friends, but sometimes I've only had like one or two friends at a time. And what's interesting is that what I was absorbing myself with in high school, college, growing up, I was actually getting myself around eagles without even realizing it because what I was doing was I was I was absorbing so much personal development stuff. So when I was about 16 years old, my parents gave me this Nissan Versa car, this cheap car that I could use to you know, drive myself to high school and drive back and drive to different music things or sports things, right? So I had my first car and for some reason I was just always so hungry to like succeed and like I I don't know I don't even know why I really don't know like why but I got my hands in all these audios like I was I was actually whenever I was like driving to school driving to like a music thing driving to a sports thing what I was popping on I was literally putting like the Tony Robbins type of stuff Zig Ziglar Danny Johnson Robert Kiyosaki Mark Cuban, I was, whenever I was driving around, I was just listening to these personal development things, and they're like, rich dad, poor dad, you know, cash flow, quadrant, you know, investor, business, entrepreneur, employee, right, like, that's what I was absorbing myself with when I was growing up, and so much so that I was a little nuts about it, like, sometimes I would, sometimes I would, 
like fly somewhere on an airplane, like whether it was for like a family vacation in high school or travel or something. And literally, so if the plane ride was like seven hours, sometimes I would listen to like the Jim Rohn or the Brian Tracy or the Robert Kiyosaki. Sometimes I would literally listen to the personal development for like the entire seven hour plane ride. And it's like, it was almost like I was kind of just brainwashing myself almost with that kind of stuff. And um, what I was saying in the last podcast is I feel like some of it was like not the best influence always. Like some of it was kind of weird, you know, they're, okay, visualize where you're going to be 10 years from now. What kind of car are you going to be driving? What kind of house, right? Some of it was just the baloney like that. But if you throw out some of that junk, I really believe that like 90% of the rest of the stuff that was trained about in those things was incredibly developmental towards my development. And I don't think it's any kind of coincidence that I used to listen, you know, to like three hours a day of the Brian Tracy, Jim Rohn, Danny Johnson, Tillman for Tita, like you name it, like whatever I could find on YouTube, there's so many audiobooks, I would buy audiobooks in YouTube. I do not think it's a coincidence that the kid that was listening to the four hours a day of the personal development stuff 12 years later is successful, has a $90 million a year business or whatever. It's, it's, it's not a coincidence. The, you know, success leaves clues. And looking back on it, I really believe that the success that we're having now is a reflection of what we've done in the past. Literally, any success that we've had now is maybe from the the work we've done a year ago, five years ago, 12 years ago. It's like everything has been planting seeds. So maybe you need to get some of this personal development stuff going on in your life, especially if you haven't dived into it that deeply. Sometimes I used to really rip on the personal development. My brother and I have listened to a lot of the personal development, but then it's like we got a little turned off by it because it was like so much like visualize the house, visualize the car. And we're like, dude, like, I don't care about visualizing the house or the car. It's just like, this is annoying, <laughs> you know? Um, but what what I'm realizing now is that some people have not properly d- dived into the personal development kind of stuff. And it's just, I think if you're in like a later stage of your life, if you're like 40 years old, 50, even in the, you know, mid thirties, and I guess any age of your life, if you haven't dived into that kind of stuff, I kind of recommend it because it's such good um, mindset, it's such good training. I learned so many skills. There was like, oh, there was just so many books I read and audios and, um, like win friends and influence people. You know, you know all these things I've been talking about, you know, like communication, dependability, responsiveness, like serving. I mean, it's like some of this stuff is just straight out of these different seminars, like win friends and influence people. There's like this think and grow rich book. There's just so much content out there. And I think if you're if you're feeling held back and you're just like you're you're just not having breakthrough, you're just not succeeding, perhaps a part of it, maybe it's not all of it, but maybe a part of it 
is you, there's just something lacking in the mindset. Like there's something lacking in the drive, in the motivation, in in the the skills, in the cognitive skills, right? There's there's maybe just something lacking, and maybe you need that that you know, brainwashing in a sense or whatever you want to call it. Like maybe you need that crash course where you pop in your headphones and you're listening to that Robert Kiyosaki for like four hours a day. Let's say, let's say you have some free time, you know, from like eight o'clock at night until like 11 o'clock when you go to bed. Like maybe you should go on YouTube and just absorb and listen to this stuff and just get fired up you know, maybe you just need a boost or something. So I really recommend the personal development stuff. I recommend diving into it if you haven't done so already. And maybe the the sooner the better. I mean, I really feel like I'm very, very grateful that I, I was so heavy on that stuff when I was like 16 years old, 17, 18. I mean, it's like I really believe that was one of the key things that helped to um, to shape me. And um, I was able to help my brother to get into a lot of that stuff as well. So I recommend that. I recommend, um, we actually saw a huge improvement. We had an, an, an employee a year ago that I was not really, you know, too happy with. Like I wasn't really that satisfied with the mindset and the attitude and the motivation. And what's really interesting is I kind of threatened this employee. I said, listen, if you don't get your act together in like 90 days, we're just going to have to fire you because I, I'm just like, I don't see the drive here. I don't see the passion. I just don't, they're just, it's just kind of like, I'm, it's, I'm just not feeling it. Right. What's kind of funny about our company is that our company is not only like, not only do you have to be very skilled to work in our company, but you have to have a lot of drive and you, you need to fit in the company culture. We have a company culture where like everyone is fired up. If you're not fired up and you're not excited about what we're doing, you really don't have a place in our company. Right. And so I'm, we want that, that culture to be there. It's like if, if, if let's say we have like 25 employees and there's like one that's like not excited at all. And just like talking to a brick wall or something, it's like, it could be kind of, um, you know, toxic to, to the other ones. Like, who's this dude that's all just like negative, like just like not excited or anything. And just like, couldn't care less about, right. It's like, you want to make sure there's if there's bad apples like that just maybe just get them out of your team get them out of your business you know it's there's so many people out there what i've come to realize is that there's millions and millions of people in the world and maybe it takes some time to find the right people but it's you're you're going to be better off finding the right people for your team and your business and whatever you're doing your workspace, coworkers, it's you're better off just finding the right people than settling. And that's that's what I've really learned after many, many years of building a business is that I would rather have the right people than settle for someone who's just almost good enough. So guys, I'm going to leave you with these things. This was a lot of good stuff we talked about in this podcast. Maybe it's even a good one to listen to again you know, absorb it again. There was just a ton of topics, ton of different things. Do me a favor. If you're not already done so, make sure you're a subscriber to the channel. Go ahead and share this on your social media. Share it to a buddy. 
get this podcast known out there because there's a lot of meat in this. And I'll see you on the next um, audio. So guys, this is Peter and we'll talk soon.